two paths. And I can take the really great path or I can take a path that I don't know where it's going to lead me. And I knew that I needed to step up as the leader in this world to give other people that opportunity and to really be the example for everyone on my team. I was just a part of friends that didn't really have all these aspirations and financial goals. And I was working with people like Gina that was talking about owning certain things and having a life of fun and traveling. And once I started really hanging around these people and learning from them and growing with them, my circle of influence changed, my life changed. I was looking at things totally different and I started believing in myself a lot more. I always find that the one thing you pick up on is the one thing you are actually needing in that moment. They bring up a concept and I'm like, wow, I really needed to hear that today. That was something I was looking for. What I love so much about this company is that it's not about Cutco. There's so much more to it than people realize, the personal growth. I love learning. I don't think there's ever been a time where I stopped learning. I always remind myself that I haven't arrived and that I'm hungry for more. I always leave room in my day for personal growth. I feel like if I'm not learning as a leader, I'm not showing up the way I should for my people. When you fully take ownership of all of your personal growth, all of your professional growth, your life just changes. The brilliance of Paige Weber far exceeds her young age. Just a little over two years into her Cutco Vector career, and in her first full year as a district manager, Paige is already competing at the highest levels in the company. Her biggest key to success has been aggressive growth. And what's most inspiring about this is that it's something that's within the reach and control of anyone listening to this podcast today. By curating your circle of influence and making time every day for learning, you can take control of your career and your life. And as you'll see in this conversation, it's possible to do this at light speed. This is my inspiring and highly motivating conversation with Cutco Vector's fastest rising star, Paige Weber. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. Today, I am with Cutco's fastest rising star. Her name is Paige Weber. Paige has been in the business for only two years at this point, just a little over two years, starting May of 2018. Her second summer in 2019, Paige ran a branch office with the company. 
She was number two in the entire company as a branch manager behind only Colton Horn, who has been featured on this podcast, who is an incredible individual as well. Paige became a district manager at the very end of 2019, very beginning of this year, 2020. And what she is doing is remarkable and perhaps even unprecedented in company history. As a brand new district manager this year, she is already over a million dollars in sales in both new business and total business. And in fact, is approaching $1 million in sales just for the summer, her first summer as a district manager. Truly an incredible performance. And a lot of people are really looking forward to hearing your story and your lessons. So Paige Weber, thanks so much for making time for the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. So I'm really excited to dive in here. Well, I want to dive in right away. And I want to hear about you, Paige, because I don't know you. You know, we really haven't met. We've been in the same building at least once or something <laughs> like that, I guess on the boat in Paris uh, on the company <laughs> trip. But uh, other than that, we don't know each other. So I want to hear a little bit about you and your background, Paige. Start with that. Yeah. So I'm one of four. I've got two sisters. I've got a brother. I danced my whole life. So um, dance was a big passion of mine. I had an injury when I was in eighth grade, which stopped me from dancing. So uh, something I've really moved into while I was in high school was just volunteering a ton, um, just spending my time doing things that weren't as physically active since I kind of moved away from that. But yeah, that's just a little bit about me. I I went to Quinnipiac University. I was studying occupational therapy. I've gone into occupational therapy because of my injury that I had sustained when I was in eighth grade. So that's kind of where my passion for helping people has really come from. Got it. That's very cool to hear. And you're operating your office in Somerset County, New Jersey. It's Northern New Jersey, correct? Forever Is that where you grew up? Yeah. So I was born in Pennsylvania originally, but then my parents had moved to New Jersey. So I've been here my whole life, uh, a Jersey girl. I don't know how to pump gas. So (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, I've lived here my whole life and uh, my my sisters have moved away. So they're in different states now. I'm still in New Jersey and I really love it here. Fantastic. Now, I know that you had some kind of serious personal challenge before you started working in Cutco that really impacted your life. And I wanted to to ask you about that. Yeah. So I touched upon it uh, in eighth grade. I was a dancer and my kneecap had dislocated and had broken my knee. So we went through surgery, just like the typical surgery that they perform on on everyone that that has a knee surgery. And after my knee surgery, I, I started to have these weird complications. And I'm the only person in my family that has ever had major surgery before. So my parents were kind of like, Oh, this might be normal. My feet were purple. I was like sweating a ton. Like it it just didn't seem normal. I'd went back to my doctor. uh, This was 2013 and just had talked about my symptoms. And I was luckily diagnosed right on the spot with complex regional pain syndrome. And basically what had happened uh, to kind of give a, a sum of everything during the surgery, my body didn't fully shut down. I was asleep. My body was asleep, but my nerves were still awake. So when they had cut into my leg, my nerves were awake. So my nerves had felt everything during the surgery. So when I had woken up, I was completely hypersensitive. 
And this was summer of 2013. You can imagine what the weather is like during the summer. It was super hot and I couldn't go outside. I couldn't put water on my leg. I couldn't put sheets on my leg because my brain was signaling to my body that I was being inflicted with pain because they just weren't normalized. So that was my 2013 year was just going to physical therapy every single day. I was going into my high school year, my, my freshman year. Uh, so that was a big transition for me. And then not being able to go to school and going to physical therapy six days a week. Luckily, in December of 2013, I had seen my scoliosis doctor and he had recommended me to go into a children's specialized hospital. So uh, mm-hmm. January of 2014, I was admitted into a hospital where I went through physical therapy, occupational therapy, swimming nine hours a day, every day for a month. And basically, they had just trained my body to desensitize my whole left side and to learn that that touch was normal and that it wasn't going to hurt me, right? I understood that when someone went to touch me, they weren't meaning to hurt me, but the, the physical feeling was totally different. So I spent a month in the hospital. I was pulled from school. I lived in a hospital for a month without my parents. They could visit, but that was a really tough time for me. I was only 14, 15 years old and dealing with a, a condition that I had never heard of before. It's pretty rare. And just getting through that was a a really big turning point for me in my life. Wow. So this experience, it took away one of your passions of dance and your ability to do that. But the experience going through the occupational therapy created a new passion for you of helping other people, which you found a vehicle for as a manager here in Vector. So pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of like a a circle kind of comes. Yeah. (laughs) So how, how did you end up working in Cutco? So I had actually gotten a letter in the mail. I'm one of the lucky gals that got a letter. Uh, not not very common by most people, but it was after my freshman year at Quinnipiac University. I had come home. My father gave me the two-week lecture of finding a job or else I was in big trouble. Went to my mailbox, got this letter in the mail. And I was like, I found my dream job, 1850. I'm going to be rich. I was like, whatever they need <laughs> to do, I'm going to do it. So my dad was like, I don't know about that. And he was like, I don't think you should go in for an interview. And I was always the rebel child. So of course, I went in for the interview. And I had no idea what Cutco was. I'd never seen the product, never heard of it. And I was just like, they, they tell me I can make a lot of money and I'm in. So yeah, it's been, been great since. <laughs> That's cool. And your original manager was Gina Nappy? Yeah, mm-hmm. Gina Nappy. And, and your division manager has always been Greg Cothran? Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well, what were some early experiences and lessons that you had uh, during that first summer or even during your branch summer? Yeah, I think some of the earliest experiences that really stood out to me was circle of influence. I never learned much about like what, what a circle of influence meant or what it could really do for you until I'd finished up my first year at Cutco, even my branch. And just realizing what a circle of influence of, of positive people could really do for you and, and the, the outlook it could take on you in life. You know, I, I was just a part of friends that didn't really have all these aspirations and financial goals. And, and I was working with people like Gina that was talking about 
owning certain things and having a life of fun and traveling. And I was like, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do that. And once I started really hanging around these people and, and learning from them and, and growing with them, uh, my circle of influence changed. My life changed. I was looking at, at things totally different. And I, I started believing in myself a lot more. And, and I stopped listening to those negative outside influences and those people that just didn't really matter. So Circle of Influence was everything to me when I first started. And it's been a, a huge impact on me since then. Yeah, that, that's a great point that uh, people should definitely take in and, and hear, particularly the young people listening who are working in, in Vector. What happens in life is that we sort of unconsciously begin to adopt the belief systems and the habits of the people that we spend the most time around. It's just sort of a natural evolution that occurs. And so you have to be very deliberate about orchestrating your circle of influence and who you are hanging out around, who you're spending time around. And not everybody has a chance to be around people like Gina Nappy or Greg Cothran or the people you've been around. We're very lucky in Vector to get to work with such high quality leaders and individuals that can give us, help us to develop good habits and take good actions and to uh, refine our way of thinking. So cool that you had those experiences uh, with those people. What else? Tell me more about your early experiences and lessons. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things was working with Gina. I think having a powerful woman role model in my life was someone I really needed when I, I didn't even know. I always tell Gina, uh, she's the older sister I never, ever wanted. I've got two older sisters. So I was like, I definitely don't need a third. But just having a, a woman to instill confidence in me, I, I had a lot of low confidence. I, I was like insecure. I hated public speaking. And I think without Gina as my, uh, you know, my, my role model and, and someone that I really looked up to, I, I'm not sure where I'd be. And, you know, just the, the confidence she had instilled in me of just always believing in myself. And Gina never saw me for, for who I was in that moment. She always saw me for who I was going to become. Mm. Um, she always told me every single time, I, I see you for this. I see you doing all these things in the future. Even when I ran my branch, she was like, you are going to be the number one branch. And I'd always be like, get out of here. Like, Stop that kind of talk with me. But just having those people around you that just believe you to, to be bigger than you actually think you are can really set the pace for what you're, you're meant to do in life. And without Gina, I really don't know where, where I'd be in this exact moment. So Yeah, that vision of the future pulls us. It affects a lot of the things that we do. It affects the goals that we set and the actions that we take, which all sort of create this upward spiral for us. And a lot of people don't have that vision of themselves. They need somebody else to come along and be able to show it to them, right? And, you know, you were lucky to have had uh, Gina to be able to show you the way in that way. So you were a rep in 2018, and then you went straight to being a branch in 2019. Yeah. Wow. Tell us about your branch summer. Yeah. So a really big moment for me. I wasn't sure I wanted to go into management. I loved working with Gina and I was like, she's great. I can be great with her. I was like, I don't, I don't want to spread my wings just yet. I was like, I, I love being in her office. And I remember my first trip to Olean, like it was yesterday. And I remember I was with Gina 
And we were standing there and, and Jim Stitt Sr. was right next to us. And we didn't even realize. And he turned to us and he started talking to us and, and he introduced himself. And he was like, I'm, I'm Jim Stitt Sr. And we were like, oh my goodness, Jim Stitt Sr. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I remember this because something that stood out to me was like, when do you ever get to meet CEOs just walking around? And I know I, I talked to my dad about it. My dad was like, you would never in my company see CEOs, you know, walking around. So I was like starstruck, right? And we were in such a great conversation with him. And and I remember asking him, like, what is it about Cutco? Like, how is it being a CEO of a, a really great company? And he said, you know what? I don't view myself as a CEO. I view myself as no different than anyone else in this company. I'm not on a platform. Um, I'm no different than anyone else. And I think that conversation changed my life. Hmm. Because I felt, I was like really conflicted. Do I go branch? What do I do? And in that moment, I told myself, if I don't go branch, I'm doing a disservice to this company. I look at all these leaders, all these amazing people that I get to look up to. And if I didn't go branch, if I didn't give every single person I knew or I could meet the opportunity to be a part of this company, I'd be doing a disservice. So mm. that was a big moment for me because uh, I, I was really conflicted. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. It, it's exciting to hear that uh, that conversation with Jim had that powerful impact on you. Um, yeah. Why did you choose to become a district manager? Yeah, I think a big thing I tell myself is life is too short. You hear it all the time, life is too short, life is too short. I'd went branch, I went back to school in the fall, and I just wasn't happy. I believe in education. I think education is really important, but I also tell myself education is always going to be there. And this was a really tough decision I had to make. It was, you know, do I go against what my my parents always wanted for me? Do I do what is best for me? How do you make a decision? And what I told myself is just life is too short to do something that doesn't make you happy. So I had some really tough conversations, but it really grew me. And it really made me more confident in my own decision, which I think is what I needed to just really believe in myself and know that I could do it. So I told everyone that I, I made a decision on my own. And, and I was not only was I, I going to go all, all in in this, but I was going to prove that I made the right decision and that I, I was going to go out there and I was going to do everything I can to make even everyone that wasn't sure that I made the right decision proud of me. Because mm. uh, I, I had some people that were a little nervous and I can tell you right now, they're really proud of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I certainly can speak for your region manager to say that he is very proud of you. <laughs> and for anybody who is experiencing a similar situation as Paige, who might be out there listening, Paige said, education will always be there. I also want to say Vector will always be here and that there isn't a one-size-fits-all method of deciding on your path within school and within Vector, and that ultimately doing what you feel is best for you and is in your best interest is important. As leaders in Vector, we support formal education. Uh, virtually all of us in executive positions in Vector went to college. As you know, Earl you know, went to University of Pennsylvania. He actually went to college with me his freshman year at Santa Clara <laughs> University, by the way, kind of interesting. But uh, we both graduated from college and feel that that is important for people that want to be there. But in your situation, clearly, it seems like the path led you and was calling you to be a district manager. And you have just crushed it this year. Like It's incredible to see what you have done. I don't know how many managers in the history of Vector have done a million dollars 
in their first full year. I know there have been some, but it's a very small number. And those that have done a million have probably all barely eked over a million. You're already over a million here now with uh, you know the entire fall to go and some of the summer still left. You're probably going to set an all-time record in the history of the company for a manager who's new uh, in their first year. And it, it's really incredible to see what you're doing. Why is this happening? Like, Let's talk about <laughs> what would you attribute this massive amount of growth and just the quantum leap in results too. What are some of the factors? Yeah, I would definitely say my region manager, Mr. Kelly, would say the same thing. I'm, I'm an aggressive learner. I love learning. I don't think there's ever been a time where I stopped learning. And I, I'm a firm believer in not listening to something once or twice. When you play a sport, right, you practice all the time, right? You, you go to practice three days, four days, five days a week. When I was a dancer, I was dancing seven days a week. I was putting in the work for that, that two minutes on stage, right? It wasn't like I, I was doing it every weekend. We would have four competitions a year. And what I've learned is that everything you, you've got to repeat it over and over and over again. The amount of audiobooks and podcasts and just vector connect videos of other managers, just listening to them talk over and over and over again. You know, whether I'm in the car, whether I'm writing down notes on it, whether I'm on a run, on a walk, I'm just a firm believer in, and you, you've got to repeat it over and over again. You've got to listen to it over and over again in order to really understand it, to really get it. Something I learned from Kate Bassey is you don't got it until you actually got it. And, mm -hmm. I, and I tell myself all that all the time. I, I don't got it until I got it. So I'm just a, a firm believer in, in practicing, you know, what you, what you do behind, behind the scenes, uh, do as much as you can. And that will really stand out once the show is on. So um, I would say learning is a, a big thing. Yeah, I, I want to unpack that with you in a second. I just want to first address why this is such an important concept. And the word that is key here is the word internalization. Good ideas have to be internalized in order for you to use them in the, in the heat of the moment. There's a saying that when you squeeze an orange, what you get is orange juice, meaning when you put something under pressure, what's inside comes out. And in business, we're constantly under pressure to say the right thing, pressure to make the right decision, pressure to take the right actions, pressure to follow through and be disciplined. And so, what's inside of us comes out. And the only way to internalize good ideas is through a lot of repetition. Repetition is the key to having the ideas become a part of who we are so that we got it, as Kate would say, right? And that's when you know that you're going to be able to deliver in the heat of the moment. So it's just a critical concept that you just shared right there. I'd love to get into like, what are some of the key ideas that you feel like have made a big difference for you in your growth? Or Paige, you might even take this as a, what are some ways that you practice the things that you're learning? Yeah. I think that I always remind myself that I haven't arrived and that I'm, I'm hungry for more. So as far as, you know, I always leave room in my day for personal growth. I feel like if I'm not learning as a leader, I can't lead. I'm not showing up the way I should for my people. What I love so much about this company is that it's not about Cutco. I think the products are fantastic. And what we have our representative show is something that they don't have to give their integrity up 
showing, which is what I loved about this company. But there's so much more to it than people realize the personal growth. It's SE2 push period right now when we have our alliance meetings. And a lot of it is personal growth things. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is like financial growth. A lot of it is professional growth, how to like gain more confidence. So while I'm teaching my practices that I've learned, I'm still learning more myself. You know, I, I listen to, to so many uh, different books, um, Tony Robbins, so many people that we talk about. But what's great about when you listen to them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times, you get something new every single time. And I always find that the, the one thing you pick up on is the one thing you are actually needing in that moment. It's always like they, they bring up a concept and I'm like, wow, I really needed to hear that today. That was something I was looking for. And it's because it, we're, we're searching for, for certain things. And when you start sharing it with other people and, and you start really diving into yourself, like magic happens. Once you start to really understand that and take ownership, you know, your life just changes. And I think that's been a big thing for me this summer was just really owning everything that has happened to me and really diving into myself. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I like uh, what you said about teaching others, that you're constantly teaching others the things you're learning, leveraging your alliance meetings, for example, to teach personal growth stuff versus just always Cutco stuff. That's always been a philosophy I've had as a manager that I thought it should be this equal part of teaching, you know, knife skills and life skills, both. And when you do that, that's one of the best ways to get that repetition and to get that internalization, right? Because when you're putting it into words, that's where you really are beginning to, to get those concepts yourself. So it's yeah. cool. Yeah. Let's talk about page, some of the year specific skills as a vector manager. You've been great at building your team this summer. And I know you've got some great strategies around that. Could you maybe share a few of your key strategies for building your team? Yeah. Uh, something I, I always share, you know, I, I love that. I, I learned from so many people. I could attribute everything I say to, to so many people, but my biggest philosophy is, is love always wins. When you think about your people, if you love your people, they will love you back all of the time. So I think what the, my biggest key to, to building a team and to keeping a team is just to wrap my arms around people and and let them know that that my office is a family through and through in Cutco, outside of Cutco, no matter what. And I think we forget that sometimes we work with college students and sometimes they just need that like hug, right? Or they just need that like extra love, extra support. Something I, I've learned ever since I left the hospital was never judge a book by its cover. I look normal. I look perfectly fine, but you know, I flare ups and people would never know. So um, I, I've learned to never judge a book by its cover and just to always love your people because no matter what, at the end of every single day, love always wins. And I know that might kind of seem like, yeah, well, aren't you just supposed to love your people? But I think sometimes we forget. There are times that I forget, right? We get so wrapped up in the numbers. We get so wrapped up in the records and the prizes and the trips that we just forget that at the end of the day, we're human and, and we just want love and we want to feel loved and, and we want to be loved by the people that mean the most to us. So I would say that's one of my biggest strategies for building a, a really great team. Yeah, it's a paradigm shift that people have to make in life, which is the shift from thinking about what can I get to thinking about what can I give. And when that shift is made, and not everybody makes it, 
I would even go so far as to say not every vector person has made it. Not every successful vector person has made that shift even. And for anybody that's listening that's a Cutco vector manager, right? once you get to that point where you just you cast away the interest in what am I going to get from this? How much money am I going to make? What achievements am I going to get? Right? Those are all important parts of why we strive. But when the real focus becomes on developing people, on how many people can I develop, on really taking a genuine interest in the people, a curiosity for all the people who you are working with, where you, you develop that real appreciation for them, that love for them, it just multiplies your results tremendously. And, and people can tell, people can see when you have that frame of mind. So, And it, it just harkens back to when you're in therapy, developing that mindset, seeing other people doing that for you, right? And being able to develop that mindset about business and about life. Yeah. And it's been a big shift for me. And I would say it's been a big shift in my business ever since I, I stopped worrying about the numbers. It all comes together. Eventually, when, when you do all the right things, it, it does come together on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Give us some more specific stuff about how you are getting your recruits. Like, What are some of the ways you're applying the personal recruiting program this summer? or anything else like that, that uh, current vector managers could really chew on? Yeah, I think it starts with a, a great assistant manager staff. I'm incredibly blessed, the people on my staff that I do. And I think what makes a big difference of having a great staff is a, a staff that wants to build the team. I think there's two different kinds of ways you can look at it. You can have people that you know have to build the team because they're an assistant manager are people that want to build the team. And when you can find people that want to build the team, there's magic in that because they, they're excited. They're, mm -hmm. They want to build that team with you. So my assistant managers have done a fantastic job of being recruiters and not only just being a, a recruiter, but being an aggressive recruiter and making sure that this summer was a, a monumental summer for, the, for our world. And I, I told, I sat down with my staff when, when COVID hit and when things got really rough. And I said, you know, we, we have two options. We can crumble and we can say like, this is hard. We don't want to shift or we can change the world and we can change the world for the better. And I told them that every single person on this planet deserves to hear about Vector. People need us now more than they will ever need Vector in our entire life. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I changed that conversation. You know, they, they were having a tough time. I was having a tough time. Um, I remember sitting in April being like, oh, like, we have to do remote. Like, are you sure? Like, can I just keep my office open? I struggled in the beginning of the summer. I really did. But, you know, I just reminded myself that I have two paths. And I can take the, the really great path or I can take a path that I don't know where it's going to lead me. And I knew that I needed to step up as just a leader in this world to give other people that opportunity and, and to really be the example for everyone on my team. So my staff, we joined forces. We, we linked arms and, and we didn't let go this summer. We, we said we were all in together. So, you know, they were excited for just the opportunity and, and what's been really incredible for them to see is the appreciation and the gratitude of people this summer. 
you know, the, the thank yous we've got, the, the appreciation that I was looking for a job. I'm so glad you reached out to me. Like I was desperately looking. I was worried. That is what fueled them. That is what fueled me because we knew we were making a difference the second we, we started to show up in the right way. Yeah. So you guys are collecting PR na- leads the same way as normal during training. Yeah. And then it's a team effort to yeah. reach out to these PR leads. Are you calling or texting? Yeah. So we use Office Conveyor and we call. So we, we send out that initial text. Um, it's very systemized in my office. So um, we, we have our lead callers, including myself. So we have someone handling all the responses. So my sales manager, he handles all the responses and he lets us know, hey, you call this person, you call this person, you call this person. So it's very organized. There's no confusion whatsoever. And our goal is at least 75 PRs. Got it. So your your sales manager is the point person to receive all the responses back when they come in. Yep. And then as soon as somebody displays some interest, yep. he farms that out to you or one of the AMs. And then yep. you guys pick up the phone and call yep. and schedule them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's 75 a week has been your goal? Yeah. That, that's usually like the our must do, but it's anywhere between 75 to 100. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a big number, but it's a doable number for a lot of managers, you know, like that's something that, that can actually happen. It's not like trying to get 200 or something like that every single week. So that's Big pretty armies cool. beat small armies any day. So. Big armies beat small armies. Yes. I've learned that a number of times <laughs> during my, my vector career. And then how about social media? Are you leveraging social media at all at events yeah. or anything like that? Yeah. Social media, SMRAs, they kickstarted my summer. Um, One of my SMRAs brought in 50,000 CPO just on her own. And so just making sure that we were being aggressive on social media, um, social proof, life is social proof. So if, if you can, what we did is we would drive around to reps houses. We had big paychecks. We put on our masks gloves, made sure we were being safe. And we wrote out a check, took a picture of them and posted on social media. Sometimes people just need to see these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times before they come in. And I'm a very aggressive recruiter. I won't stop until I get a no. If I don't hear from you, that doesn't mean it's a no. (laughs) Unless you tell me no, I won't lay off. And that's been helpful. I mean, one of my personal, like my own PRs, it took me six months to get him in. And his first summer or his first year, he started in January, he sold $50,000. And it's because I I see people for more that they are. I know they can do it. I've just got to get them in the door. So I don't stop until I get a no. So there are tons of people on my team that I was like fighting for them. If I hear someone's name one, two, three times, that means like they've got to be in my office, right? If, If I'm hearing a name over and over again, that means everyone thinks they'd be a good fit for my team. Everyone thinks that they should be on this team. So it's my job to find a way to get creative and get them on my team. Right. It sounds like you have a tremendous depth of conviction in the opportunity, going all the way back to that conversation you described with Jim Stitt Sr., where you felt like it'd be a disservice if you weren't there offering this opportunity to people as a manager, and how you create that want in your AM staff to recruit, not just the obligation, like, oh, it's part of the job, but the want. All of that stems from a tremendous conviction in the opportunity and in what we do for people and what you can do personally for the people who you bring onto your team. So. That's cool. That's cool. And it sounds like you've actually gotten to meet some of your reps this summer. I mean, that seems like kind of a silly question to ask, but uh, in this crazy summer, there are managers that haven't even met their team. We we were talking off camera about Kyle Lopes before 
yeah. this interview started, Kyle is not even living in the same state as his branch territory, <laughs> has not been there physically at all yeah. this summer. And so he hasn't met a single one of his reps yet. So it's crazy. No, but uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. But you, you, you've been able to meet some? Yeah, we actually did a team bonding in June. I got all the team at a park. I rented out a pavilion and it was different. It was something, uh, you know, it's a crazy world we live in. Who would have thought that in 2020, we'd be meeting at a park to meet our team, right? But what a really grateful experience that was for me to make it work one way or another. So yeah, I'm figuring out ways to to get the team together. Uh, But yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, how about any of your strategies or keys to developing the people that you have on your team this summer? Because you not only have a big team, but you have a team that's selling a lot on a per-person basis as well. What's been a key or two to that? Yeah, I think something I've learned is that I don't know everything. And it's okay not to know everything. And what's not okay is to not connect them with people that do know that can help them. So something I love to do is I love to build a bridge with someone who who does know, you know, um, I was not the best seller. I love selling Cutco, but like management was where my, my heart was at. I loved helping people. So I, my personal sales aren't as high as some other people. So I love to, to build the gap and to introduce them to people that can help them a little bit more. So just connecting and making sure that they're learning making sure that people are always learning. You know, the people that, you know, leave Vector or selling Cutco is because like they've hit a plateau. They don't feel like they're learning. And granted, they can learn a ton, but they need to, you need to make sure that they're learning. And that's something Gina always did a really great job with me is just always making sure I was learning because I was an aggressive learner. So if I wasn't learning, I was bored. And I was like, what's next? What do I do next? What, what is there to learn? So, and again, it, it's not about Cutco, right? It, it could be a book. It could be a, a YouTube. You know, there, there's so many things that are accessible right now on online that you don't have to know everything. And, and that's something I'm, I'm honest about. I don't know everything. I'm still learning a ton about myself and the business. So I think it's important to know that if you don't know everything, just find someone who can help you. Yeah. Well, who are some of the people that you look up to in the business that have helped you the most? Yeah. There are so many people that I I look up to. I would say um, Drew and Wes Frank just really set the bar for what's possible. Brian Herman, just people that I I watch on Vector Connect that I make sure I I reach out to. um, Danny Lewis, Kathy Christian, Kate Bassey as women in the company, just really helping pave that way for women like me. So uh, those are just a few of the people that I, I really do look up to. Yeah. And tell me about your relationship with uh, Greg and Earl. Yeah, I think uh, they, they're such fantastic leaders. I think what's really great about Greg and Earl is that they know to challenge me all of the time. And they do. They make sure that if there's not a light bulb going on in my head, they're going to make sure that they find one. So I think what's really great about the two of them together is they lead with love all the time. I, I know Earl always talks about it, just leading with love and, and making sure that we're having fun. I'm someone that I do get caught up in work sometimes and I, I do work more than I should, right? We, we always get caught up um, and, and they just make sure that you know work is meant to be fun and to make sure that we're enjoying it and, and just to love on our people. So Greg and Earl have been a really great influence on me. It's been a, a really great honor getting to, to work with them and, and to grow with them at the same time. Awesome. Awesome. And what message would you have 
for the young women of Vector, Paige? Yeah, this is a, a big question. I think something I was always, if I could go back, I would tell myself not to be afraid. I think I was always so afraid of being compared against other men in the company and worried that my results were never going to be as good because I was a woman. Always telling myself this story that I shouldn't have. So I think it, you shouldn't be afraid. I think now is a, a time that we need more women role models than ever before. And I think now is a, a time to really just step into yourself and believe in yourself through and through. Uh, something that I, I stopped doing was telling myself I couldn't and asking myself, why can't I? Why can't it be me? And then I, I told myself it can be me and I was going to make sure that it, it would be me and I was going to really dive in. So don't be afraid. Awesome. Awesome. What are some of your current goals and aspirations? I think some of my, my current goals, I would say, is to just help continue to, to pave the path for women both in and outside of Vector. I think that is something that's really important to me, uh, giving women a platform to grow themselves. Uh, what's been really exciting this summer for me is to see that more than half of my team is women. That's what I wanted. I was like, how do I create an organization where women feel powerful, where women feel excited, where women feel equal? And what I love about this company is I've never once felt unequal with men whatsoever. And if anything, it's really fired me up. It's got me more excited because I love being on a same, like an even playing field. So that's one of my goals is to really just keep paving the way I would love to buy a house by the end of this year, being only, I'll be 22 in September. So um, <laughs> buy my first house would be really exciting. That That is on my to-do list in 2020. That is so cool to hear. <laughs> Through the great vector opportunity, I was fortunate enough to be able to buy my first house. I was 23. Let me think here. I was 23 and about seven months or eight months, something in there. So you're on pace to beat me for sure. <laughs> yeah, and that that uh, that's really cool to hear. How about the future, Paige? What does what does the future hold for you longer term? Yeah, what's great about this company is I never saw myself staying with Vector. You know, I, I hear that on every podcast. Everyone's like, "You told me I'd be with Vector five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years." I tell you, you're crazy. And and I would say the same thing. I never expected to be with. Vector and Cutco, even just a year after uh, or two years later now. So I, I think what holds for me long term, I see myself with this company for for a while, and I get really excited about that because that means I get to develop a lot more people and I get to grow with a lot more people, and I get to see a lot of growth in myself. So you know, I think that's what excites me every day. That's why I wake up to go to work every single day is just, you know, who can I impact? What's one conversation that I can have today that is going to change someone's life? So long-term, you know, it, it stays here in Cutco. I don't know where that leads me to, but I'm really excited for what my future holds here and beyond. Yep. Well, the longer you stay here, the more you achieve, the more options you will have both in and out of Cutco. You're going to have plenty of people who recruit you to come work with them outside of Cutco. That will happen regularly <laughs> if it already isn't happening. And of course, Vector will create options for you to be able to continue to grow and elevate your status here. And the one thing that I have felt like has kept me around for so long that isn't available in a lot of the other options is this aspect of changing lives. 
right? It's like what this podcast is all about, right? Is that we have a chance to impact young people at a time that is transformative in their life, right? And make a huge difference. And like, you will never, ever, ever forget Gina Nappy. No, never. You will (laughs) never forget her. You will be 80 years old one day and you will never forget Gina Nappy. And like, by the same token, you are now establishing legions of new reps who will never, ever, ever forget Paige Weber. And that's a great thing about what Vector has to offer. It's one of the great reasons to stay here for a long time. And so as you succeed and develop all these other options in your life, we hope that uh, that you do stick around here yeah. and that you continue to elevate yourself here within the company and someday sit at the division manager table and uh, <laughs> and maybe even someday sit at the region manager table. Who knows what the yeah. future could hold <laughs> for you, Paige, but uh, it could be very, very, very exciting. So Hey, listen, you've done amazing things this year. It's incredible to see. I've been really looking forward to having you on the podcast for a long time. And I know people are going to get a lot out of this. So thanks so much for your time and for what you've shared. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. That was Paige Weber, everyone. One thought I had as I was listening to Paige is that one of the most important concepts in life is the concept of meaning making and sort of choosing empowering meanings for the things that happen to us. When you hear about Paige having this experience with dancing, having the injury that she had, a lot of people can choose a negative meaning that, like, oh, why me? Why does this have to happen? Well, when Paige was in occupational therapy, she saw people who were investing themselves into helping others and realized that that was a passion for her as well. And ultimately found an outlet for that here at Vector. The role of Gina Nappi as a role model for Paige in that first summer is really critical and just being around people who can help us establish the right mindset, the right habits. Paige developed a conviction in the vector opportunity through her own experience, through the conversation with Jim Stitt Sr. That, of course, has helped her to become so good as a recruiter in this business. I love when she talked about the importance of repetition and practice in your learning process. And she said she makes time every day for some sort of learning or personal development. And that's what enables us to have good ideas internalized so that we can truly leverage them in our lives. And she related that also to developing others that she wants her people to always feel like they are learning. I've always told people that, you know, there's not a single Cutco rep that ever started this job intending to quit within a few days. And yet a lot of people do. And one of the reasons why they do is they have some kind of experience that maybe makes them feel like they can't do this, they can't overcome it, so they can't move forward. And if people are learning, then they're growing, they're always seeing a vision of something that's next for them, then they tend to want to stay around longer. And so being able to maintain that learning environment, both in the area of sales skills directly related to the job and in the area of life skills that are more relevant to people for their future, that's what keeps people around you for a long period of time. If you're building an organization of any sort, creating that sort of learning environment is a critical key to your success. And then Paige also said, love always wins. She really quoted, paraphrased what I've learned from Kate Vassy, uh, which is the concept of leading with love. And that concept that when people can see that you truly have their best interest in mind, that you're truly working to help them, they're more motivated and inspired to help you achieve your goals as well and the team goals. And so 
That was cool as well. Kate Vassie was featured in episode number 53 on this podcast called Leading with Love. You can check that out for more on that particular topic. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Cutco's fastest rising star, Paige Weber. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 